The first reading is from Luke chapter 6 and can be found on page 1033 in the Church Bibles. Luke chapter 6, verses 12 to 16. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose twelve of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Second reading is from Acts chapter 1, verses 15 to 26, and is on page 1092 in the Church Bibles. Commencing at verse 15 then. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong. His body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this. So they called that field in their language Akeldama, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it. And may another take his place of leadership. Therefore it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us. Beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justus, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the eleven apostles. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would come by your spirit 
that you would help me to speak, that you would give us all ears to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I have been, as I'm sure you have, deeply moved by Shirley's story. Thank you, Ty. In particular, that very moving moment in the video when after being told that there was nothing more that the doctors could do for her, she had this overwhelming sense of lost time, that she was longing for the opportunity to do it again, and a sense that that opportunity was slipping away from her. And I think there are times in our lives when, in different ways and for different reasons, we feel a sense of lost opportunities, perhaps a feeling of being trapped by life's circumstances. Even something wonderful, like bringing up children, brings with it limitations. Kirsty and I were the first of our friendship group to have children, and to be honest, we might as well have disappeared into a black hole as far as our friends were concerned, because we were no longer on the social scene. Our friends were still young, free and single, and we were automatically middle-aged with kids. Or it may be that we have a physical or a mental disability. Or it could be being stuck in a difficult family situation. Or a job that we feel unable or too fearful to quit. Or a job opportunity within our own workplace where we desperately want, but we've been passed over time and time again. That sense of lost time, of lost opportunities, is very real for many of us. One of the characters in our Bible reading this morning, he must have felt this very, very keenly. I feel sorry for Mr. Barsabbas, Joseph Barsabbas, But I actually think he's a great example to give us hope. So do just turn to that passage in Acts, chapter 1, verse 15, which is continuing our new series on the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And I'll just say a few words about Joseph Barsabbas. Now, I don't know if you remember from last week, David was explaining that we are now in our series in Acts, we're now between the time when Jesus ascends to heaven and the time when he sends his Holy Spirit at Pentecost. The remaining followers of Jesus are gathered together in Jerusalem and following the death of Judas Iscariot, who was the apostle who betrayed Jesus to the authorities, Peter, who is now the de facto leader of the disciples, stands up and in verses 15 to 20 explains that a replacement is needed to be found for Judas. There were now only 11 apostles and they needed to fill the gap so that the group of 12 apostles, which matched the same number as the tribes of Israel, would once again be complete. And he underlines the necessity of this by reminding them in verse 20 that both the betrayal by Judas and the need for a replacement had been prophesied in the scriptures. This wasn't just a nice idea of Peter's to round it off to 12. It was God's will. Peter then explains in verses 21 and 22 that this replacement person must be someone who had witnessed the entire ministry of Jesus, including 
his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. And there were precious few of those outside the twelve. In fact, there were only two. Matthias and Joseph, also called Barsabbas. Now, I want you to try and put yourself in the shoes of Joseph Barsabbas. He'd been with Jesus from the very beginning. No doubt eager to play his role in Jesus' kingdom revolution. He was there when Jesus healed the crowds in Galilee. He was there when Jesus clashed with the Pharisees. He listened in person to the Sermon on the Mount. He saw Jesus cast a demon out of somebody in the synagogue in Capernaum. And he was there when Jesus left him and the others to go up on a mountainside to pray, to choose who were going to be his 12 disciples. But when Jesus came down the mountain, he was in for a disappointment. He had been on the shortlist as a follower of Jesus, but he hadn't made it to the inner circle of 12. His friends, Peter, John and Matthew had, so had Andrew, James and Simon. Even Judas Iscariot had been chosen. So after months of following Jesus around and hanging on his every word, Barsabbas was put on the, ship, put on the bench and told he hadn't made the first team. I imagine it must have been quite a bitter disappointment. But he kept going. For two more years, he followed Jesus. He was there when Jesus fed the crowds with loaves and fishes. He was there, one of the 72, that was sent out by Jesus on his gospel mission. He was there when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. He was there when he was arrested, crucified, when Jesus appeared alive again after his resurrection. And so when Peter stood up in this moment in our reading and announced that a successor had to be found, he must have thought, my time has come. There were only two people who qualified as candidates and he was one of them. And yet, when the other 11 cast their lots to make the choice, the lot fell to Matthias. Why Matthias? Matthias was so unimpressive that he's never even mentioned before or after this account. Once again, Barsabbas had been poised to go down in history as one of the twelve and he had been passed over. He must have been gutted. And not only had he been rejected by the eleven, but he'd been rejected by God himself. Before they drew lots, the apostles had prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you've chosen to take over this apostolic ministry. And it had fallen to Matthias. But despite what must have been another major disappointment, he doesn't let it get to him. Instead, he must have made a decision to trust God, to accept God's sovereign choice in the matter and carry on following Jesus despite not being chosen to be one of the twelve. And that is a choice that we all have to make if we want our extraordinary God to work through our ordinary lives. As Phil Moore in his commentary on Acts says, the book of Acts is full of ordinary people who became great apostles, preachers, and miracle-working church planters, but it's also full of ordinary people who served in the background. Dorcas, who sewed 
clothes for the poor. Mary, who opened up her home for an all-night prayer meeting. Simon the Tanner, who offered lodgings to Peter. The businesswoman Lydia, whose home became the base for Paul's church plant in Philippi. The tent makers Priscilla and Aquila, who discipled a zealous but ignorant young man named Apollos, who later became an apostle. They were all heroes. In fact, anyone who faithfully plays their God-given role can be a hero in God's drama. The only losers are those who succumb to bitter disappointment or try to play in a position of their own choosing. And you may feel this morning a bit like Joseph Barsabbas yourself. You may once have had high hopes that God would choose you to, to perform great exploits in his name. And he may yet do so. But first, he calls you to serve faithfully in the little things, in the unglamorous and unnoticed sidelines of his kingdom mission. Most of you, maybe, will have never have heard of a man by the name of Albert McMakin. He was born in North Carolina at the end of the First World War. As a young man, he did something fairly ordinary. He invited his 16-year-old friend, Billy, from down the road to go to a Christian revival meeting being held in a tent in the local town of Charlotte. His friend Billy gave his life to the Lord and went on to become the greatest evangelist in the history of the church. His friend was Billy Graham. Billy Graham, who died last year at the age of 99, brought the gospel of Jesus Christ to more people than any other human being on the planet. Most estimates put it somewhere between 2 billion and 2.5 billion people have heard the gospel from Billy Graham. Now you and I are, are, are unlikely to become a second Billy Graham, but we can all become an Albert McMakin. We can all invite our neighbour to church. And you never know what God might do with that invitation. And there's still time, by the way, to invite that person you've been praying for onto our Tuesday lunchtime Alpha course. We started this week, but it was only an introductory session. This coming week um, will be the first main teaching session, and we've got a lovely little group. It would be wonderful if you would like to invite others onto that course. And so God calls us to play the part he has given us with all the grace and humility of Joseph Barsabbas. There's a kind of anecdote to this story when we read that some years later, in Acts chapter 15, there's a disciple called Barsabbas who is chosen along with Silas to deliver letters to the churches in Asia Minor. Now there is some question as to whether this is the same man because the Christian name is slightly different. Judas, not Joseph. But as disciples were often given new names to reflect an aspect of character or personality, it's very likely the same Barsabbas who is described in Acts 15 as leader among the brothers. It seems that his years of faithful service had indeed been rewarded. And so much of our Christian lives and our Christian witness we will live out never knowing even a tenth of what God's Holy Spirit has done with what the words we spoke, the comfort we gave, 
the listening ear that we offered, the prayers we prayed, at least not this side of heaven. And we will never know the number of lives which may be touched and transformed by Shirley's testimony to God's love and Thai's book about her story. But I think God's call to us today is simply to faithfulness. Because it's in a heart given over to Jesus, a trusting heart open to the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us, that God's kingdom truly comes as it did in Shirley's life. I'm going to stop there because I'd like to give us all an opportunity to respond to what the Lord may be saying to us this morning. As the music group come up, I'm going to suggest that we, I'm going to suggest that we all stand and just wait on God's spirit. Would you do that with me? Would you stand? I'd like to offer to pray for some people here this morning. Shirley said that before she had cancer, she was strong on the outside but broken on the inside. But that through the cancer, God had worked a miracle of healing on the inside, even as she was broken on the outside. And I'm sure there are some people here this morning who are still longing to be healed on the inside. But perhaps you're fearful of what you might have to go through to realize it. And I have a sense of God saying like the psalmist, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Just like Shirley trusted me.